So I'm just like super nervous that like whole imposter syndrome we always talk about because I just recently changed my title like on LinkedIn, on my um, email signature, on Instagram, on everything to say content creator influencer. And it was something for like a really long time. I hadn't claimed. I was like, girl, you a blogger. You're an entrepreneur. Like you can't call yourself a content creator or an influencer. Like you ain't influenced nothing yet. So I'm just nervous because I'm doing it publicly. (laughs) This is like your first go at letting people see like officially, officially. I consider myself a content creator. Yes. (laughs) Go ahead. All right. We see you. Holly's founder first. <laughs> she gave me my first shot when nobody would. No. <laughs> I'm just trying to be somebody. So make a way, make a way, make a way. Hey everyone, it's me, Halise, endeavoring to persevere as always, and I am so excited to bring you another episode of Trying to Be Somebody, the video podcast where I interview mostly BIPOC about their creative careers with the goal of helping you. I'm really excited for today's episode because it features someone who's just getting going. You know, I have been on the internet to some capacity for about 10 years now, and so I think that while I do have... I think tangible advice that I can give to you. If you're someone who's deciding to start a channel this year or someone who's deciding to start influencing this year, um, though my tips will be helpful, my tips will come from a lens of someone who's 10 years in the game. And so I wanted to have someone on the podcast who has just started. They're within the first three years of their influencing career online. And I wanted to have her on to get a pulse check, one, and also two, to see how approaching the internet and approaching a creative career or an influencing career right now at this stage differs than maybe how I would think to approach it and also potentially how it's actually still the same regardless of your size. So I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. I just feel like it'll fill a void um, because so far the people that I have had on this video podcast have been people that I think are a little more established in their creative careers and I wanted to have someone on who's really just getting going within the first two-ish, three-ish years, I think, just getting going. But before we get into the episode, a quick word from our sponsor for today, which is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 30,000 courses to explore your creativity or find your creativity if you feel like you lost it. I am a teacher on Skillshare. I love being on the platform. And one of my favorite classes on there is Tell a Story in a Minute or Less. In that class, I go through a couple of different examples of how you can utilize short form content to tell an engaging story, whether that be on Instagram Reels or YouTube Shorts or maybe even TikTok. That class is really popular. So many people seem to love it. I love getting tagged by y'all. After people take the class, they'll tag me in whatever they created, whether it be on Instagram or YouTube or wherever it is. And I love seeing those tags. Thank you so much. Keep them coming. I love that the class is just getting people out of their head. You know, that people just watch the class, which I think it's a fun watch. It's not too long. And then they're inspired to just try. So if you're interested in Skillshare, check it out. The first 1,000 people to click the link in the description will get a free premium trial membership. Thank you again so much to Skillshare. Let's get 
into this episode. So for those of y'all who don't know, Santique is actually a good friend of mine. We both went to college together around the same time at UT Austin. And uh, she was like one of my first black friends at UT Austin <laughs> in so few words. There are people who are just starting out who would be like, you seem so large, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? Let me talk to somebody, bring them on the podcast who is like just starting out nano nano micro influencing which i still technically am a nano influencer at the size that i'm at Mm. i'm nano too (laughs) so i started this journey like 2019 and it looked totally different when i started it because what happened is me and my boyfriend went on a trip to greece and we got to the airport super early in santorini and what i would always do is i would always like just jot down notes to share with like my family, with my friends, because they would always ask me like, where'd you eat? Where'd you stay? What'd you do? And it kind of made me think like, oh, like I could do like travel consulting or be a travel agent or something like that. I had no clue. I'm be totally honest that regular schmegular people like me were doing this because I wasn't on Instagram. Like I had an Instagram account, but I wasn't on Instagram. So I thought it was like the Kim Kardashians of the world that were like doing influencing. So when I got on, I'm like, I'm going to do travel consulting. And it bored me to pieces because I realized that's not what I wanted to do. Like I'm like trying to build a website. I'm like struggling because I had to learn everything. Like I came to the table with like a business background, but not like a, a media background, not a social media background. None of that. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like having to learn like all of those things. And as I'm like digging into it and learning who to follow and learning how Instagram works, I realized like there's a whole community of people out here that are being influencers, that are doing content creation. So I basically, I took a crash course in social media. Like I studied social media, web development, all of it. Like I was trying to get a degree in it. Yeah, And then I transitioned from wanting to do the travel consulting into wanting to do the content creation. Like I wanted to start working with brands. Like I wanted to start uh, doing the affiliate marketing. And then, you know, you always have like those other ways that you bring an in income, but the, the goal was for that to be the main source of income. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. What are your numbers? What's your main platform you're on? What are you, what's your yeah. follower account? Let's, let's sure. get that out of the way now. <laughs> so I'm mainly on Instagram. Um, I have 2,600 followers, a little bit above that. Um, I'm on Pinterest. And while my follower count isn't high on Pinterest, my like reach and impressions are like, they stay in the 20,000s. So what's crazy is even though I dedicate most of my time to Instagram and like creating content for Instagram, most of my traffic like to my website comes from Pinterest. And um I'm getting on Facebook a little bit. Like I have like a hundred followers on Facebook. Child TikTok. I'm on TikTok, but like, am I really? (laughs) Yeah. I probably got about 10 of y'all on TikTok. Shout out to the 10. Uh, But Instagram is, (laughs) Instagram is it for me. Like, and just also I, I rely heavy on Pinterest just because I'm learning the SEO optimization of it all. And like, that's what I'm really like reining in on to continue to drive traffic to like other spaces. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, and this is why I wanted to have you on because you're already talking about things that are like above me. Like as a 
content creator, I'm not really just thinking about how to like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you're talking, you're thinking about how to, and I'm just like, I don't know. I made a thing. Watch yeah. it. <laughs> I think part of that is because like, you're really good at what you do. Like you're really good at creating content. Like mm-hmm. you've been doing this for years. Like you're a pro. I'm a rookie and I'm like learning how to get my content better. So while mm-hmm. I'm, so while I'm like learning how to do that, I kind of have to like PTG, like I have to play the game and like learn other ways to like get my foot into the door. And part of that is I can learn SEO optimization and I've been on Pinterest for like ever. So learning that and grasping that concept is so much more easier for me than Got getting it. an Adobe to create a video. Like <laughs> she not doing that. Okay. So you transitioned, you were trying to go into travel content for your Instagram account. And that's like where you started. Mm -hmm. But then can you talk to me about the transition? Like how did that happen? And like, what did you transition to? Sure. So I still do travel content. Um, Like I was saying, like the travel consulting stuff just like bored me to pieces because Mm -hmm. I realized I was like less interested in helping people plan trips because that's like so subjective. Like, something that works for me or like what I'm looking for may not work for you. Um, And I was more so coming from the place of, I want to teach you how to fish and then you can go out there and get it yourself. So teach you how to find travel deals, teach you how to get those like hotel discounts and all of that kind of stuff. I wasn't interested in like booking that for nobody but myself. So when COVID hit, I kind of was forced to pivot. Because Mm. all of my content up until COVID mostly was just like inspiration, but it was like still travel photos. And Mm -hmm. I didn't travel my first time traveling. So March 2020 to April 2021, I wasn't traveling. Yeah. So I was I was forced to pivot and like figure some things out. And after being on Instagram a little bit and like seeing people do like lifestyle, I was like, I didn't want to lock myself in anyways. And I think part of that was because I wanted to share my life. Um, I wanted to share like food recipes and all this kind of stuff. And it came at such a good time, even though people say like, don't spread yourself too thin because then your followers won't be sure. Like, you know, your audience will be like, well, I'm not following her for that. Da, 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 da. I was like, well, yeah. I don't have a, ch- I don't have a choice. So y'all about to get all this content that I have to give. And those who rock with me will stay in those who just feel overwhelmed by everything I'm trying to do will leave. And that's kind of how I, I got here. So I pivoted from just travel content to lifestyle travel content with a specific focus on design, DIY projects. And I love showing people just how to save money while traveling. Can you talk a little bit, whatever you're willing to share, what are your like income streams right now for your influencing, if any? Um, affiliate marketing. So I'm on the Like to Know It app. Um, Mm. Also working with a brand, so brand partnerships. Uh, Today, actually, I launched my travel guide. So just creating like supplemental material that like will keep money coming in. And on a side, just because like I have to eat, um, my background is like academia, um, working for teaching learning centers. So a huge, while my, my influencer income is like minimal, a lot of my income doesn't even come from the influencer world. Like it's coming from like resume writing and interview career coaching and that kind of stuff. 
Um, and that's how I'm like making up the difference, like going full time. But Mm -hmm. that's why I'm also starting to tell people like, it's actually like serial entrepreneurship because like, while I want to use this influencer title to kind of propel me forward into other things, like I still got to bring money in, like my bills got to get paid. I'm not trying to be homeless. So, right. Yeah. I mean, look, Hey, we all love living and eating indoors. Okay. (laughs) Um, for sure. Money can't be funny. Change can't be strange in these Hello. trying times. Hello. Okay. Here's something that I think is very fascinating. You just told us at the top of the video, 2,500 subscribers uh-huh. or followers so, on yeah, Instagram. Like, uh-huh. And yet you have brand deals coming in. Like I think most people think that you need to be so big to get some sort of brand deal. But how many brand deals have you gotten so far? What like whatever you're allowed to talk about, I suppose. I know some brand deals are different. You can't quite say certain things, but Mm -hmm. can you talk to us about the nature of like how you got those brand deals? Did you approach them? They approach you? Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Santika. A few quick housekeeping things, por favor please. Thank you so much for watching slash listening to this video podcast episode. If you're listening to us wherever you get your podcasts from, make sure to rate us on that platform that really helps with discoverability. Five stars is preferred, but obviously we appreciate constructive criticism, so just make sure it's constructive. Thanks. The second thing, if you're watching on YouTube specifically, please make sure to engage with the video down below. That really helps algorithmically. And also consider liking the video and subscribing if you haven't already. Really appreciate it in advance. And finally, if you want to take it a step further, consider joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash Halise. There you get early access to videos as well as private weekly vlogs from me and anything else that I'm vibing with. It's a good time. Big shout out to the Patreon production crew. Appreciate y'all. And with that, back to the episode. So first and foremost, I want to say when I did Adobe Creator Camp, you know, at the end of that, they have Mm -hmm. you do a pitch. You know, you can like pitch a project to them or something like that. That actually propelled like it made me want to pitch to brands. That was my very first time pitching. And I was nervous as shit. And I started to be like, y'all, I'm sick. I can't do it. (laughs) I was like... I mean, just do it. Like the worst thing they could do is say no. And they did say no. But, you know, for me, however the saying goes, like, you, like that closed door was a blessing for me because it, it it told me I was ready to pitch. Like the feedback they gave me was way more valuable than actually landing that pitch. Yeah. And that okay. was like, that was December 2021. No, December 2020 is when I did that. And after that, I was like, well, hell, they didn't say I sucked. So, and that was face to face. So I'm like, I was like, let me start pitching a brand. So what I did was I created a Excel spreadsheet of all the brands I naturally use. Just like jotted everything down. I went through like kitchen cabinets. I went through my closet. I went through my medicine cabinet. Just any brand that was in my house that I was naturally using, I wrote it down. And then what I started doing was I went through my Instagram and I looked to see what of those brands I had shared just had already shared organically tag them. Yeah. I start those brands and then I revved that up. Like I revved up starting to tag them and like showing people like what I was using at home. So I started showing me cooking in the kitchen more. I started showing me like my skincare regimen more. And yeah. then I, then I pitched. 
So my very first brand deal was a deal that I pitched. And I've had um I've had five so far, but part of that is just like turning down. <laughs> part, that. Of that, part of that is just like turning down opportunities. And even if it's a major brand, because I've bumped my head a lot through this process and I've taken a lot of L's to get a lot of wins, but I'm learning each time like I learn something and I'm more confident in myself than I was last year to tell people no. Like I just told a major brand, no, thank you. And then they circled back around and I was like, still no, thank you. And it felt good. Like I felt good. Yeah. Telling them. <laughs> I felt so good telling them no. Wow. Because I remember you and I have had some conversations offline where you were like, I'm about to pitch this and I'm going to ask for this. What do you think? And I was like, mm, you could add a zero. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so do you feel like you've figured out what your like, yes number is? I mean, you never feel sure, sure. But have you kind of figured out like what that range is for the amount of work you are willing or not willing to do? Yeah. For like base like if it's just like a real some stories and in-feed posts but when they start talking about like perpetuity and whitelisting and all that kind of stuff I'm still learning so mm -hmm. on a side with whitelisting and perpetuity like I'm still working through what to charge for that right yeah but now I know to charge for that when yeah. I got my first brand deal I was like yep I'll take it out perpetuity you can have it like I don't even care give me this check because that's, that's the nature of the beast like you have to you have to get the like in my press kit like that page set empty you know and and I needed stuff to put on that press kit so I had to take well I didn't have to I, I would imagine because I don't want I don't want content creators that feel like they have to take L's but I felt like I had to you know give those kind of things up just to like get my foot in the door in like I said, like, I have that number for like reels and, you know, I for um for in feed posts and with each of those deals where I've like given my rate, they've come back and been like, yep, we 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 gladly accept. And mm -hmm. that's how I knew like I should have added extra zero or, you know, yeah, and I didn't. Yeah. So each time I'm just like learning, like, okay, y'all said yes to this. Okay, well, she gonna, you know, maybe add 400 $500 to the next person. Yeah. And, and just keep going up that way, you know? How have you been adjusting to not W2 land, I guess? Yeah, it's you rough. Know? It's rough. It's rough from the sense that like once you get used to making like certain money, like you know that money's coming in. Yeah, that's hard to give up. You know, mm -hmm. we could talk about health insurance and all that kind of stuff. But I figured that part out fairly quickly. So like there was never a lapse. That, so oop, let's put that to the side. Let's not worry about that. Um, but oh, Jesus. OK, how can I unpack this without like it just being so much Jesus? Um, <laughs> <laughs> long story short, black folk listening. To that. OK, um, <laughs> but I think for me, what forced me down a career path was. I remember being an undergrad. I mean, looking at people like you, like an RTF, looking at my friends in accounting, looking at those that like wanted to be medical professionals. And I remember feeling like so envious and like lost because mm. I didn't, for me, like no one really cared if I went to college, you know, but for me, I didn't have another hustle. 
So for me, going to college was the hustle. Yeah. Get that degree. You know, they were saying we would make so much money, scam, but <laughs> get that degree so you could like make money. And so yeah. that's what I did. And had I had another hustle at the time, like maybe I wouldn't have went. Um, but being there was just like a very intimidating process because I'm like in my sophomore year and I like still haven't declared a major. And I'm like looking at people who are like so, cl- even if they're going to be unhappy, they were just like so clear on what they were going to do after college, what that was going to be. And for me, I didn't know, you know, mm. so I just kind of feel like I looked at my skill set. And I went, you're good at this. You're good at this. You like this. You could be an event planner, which is what I ended up doing. And then as abusive as academia is, I always loved academia. So that's how I ended up going into that career path that I recently left. And I think for me, what made me kind of circle back a little bit is um, I'm people are telling me like, why don't you, you know, you should, you should share this. Like people would listen to you. And I'm like looking into it. And like I said, I was like, I could do the travel consulting thing. And I realized I hated that. And when I discovered the world of Instagram, I was like, people are just really out here just being them. Like, it's just, they're sharing their lives. Like you can make money doing that. And I just, I wish I have no regrets, but like, I seriously wish like all those arts programs that schools are trying to like stomp out and all the personality that like the world is trying to stump out of people. Like we need to just start letting people know like there's value in that. And I mm. think had I, I'm j- like, I'm just now really realizing like, Oh girl, your value is you. Like, it's yeah. not even like, it's not even like that you could write a bomb ass research paper. It's not that you could take a cute picture. Like, people just like being around you, like your energy, like that's what people like. And like, I never knew that Wow, could be a thing. Yeah. I'm just learning that I'm about to be 33 years old and I'm just learning. But I love that idea that you mentioned of like you building a spreadsheet and being very methodical about it and being like, who am I already, like, who do I already enjoy as a brand Mm -hmm. anyway? Mm -hmm. How do I translate that into a backlog of content that they can mm-hmm. see and I can reference and then and then go into my pitch for them. Mm-hmm. So do you mind talking about what are like, what is your strategy for finding who to pitch to at a brand? Like how did you uh, find that right connect? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh, this is like such a game. Like yeah. there oh, should yeah. be, there should be courses taught about this at universities. And I mean, I know that some people <laughs> on Instagram have like their eBooks and stuff like that, but there could be a course on this. But um, for me, I went through the list of brands, of course, like I said, I was using already because I didn't want to share anything with my audience that like I wasn't already using or a brand I didn't trust. That yeah. was super important to me. Um, then what I did was I followed those brands on Instagram. I went and looked to see who I had already posted, jot, jot, highlighted that. And then I just started rolling through content. Um, if I, if I was eating breakfast, I had it set up where you could see the brand and I was tagging them in my stories. Mm. Um, if I ate lunch, dinner, washed my face, whatever I did, if it involved a brand, I 
might have not said their name in the story, but I tagged them and I let you see like the packaging or whatever it was. Mm, okay. Then <laughs> I looked to see who was kind of like active on their social media because I mean, nine times out of 10, this may not be true for me. All of this is about like what I yeah. think to be true. Um, I looked to see who was like active on their Instagram. And if they weren't active, I kind of like skipped them and like circled back to them. And then when I first started, I started, I had this DM, I had this message I would send in the DM and I was like trying to make it seem like I had a team, right? Like it wasn't just me. So it was like, hello, I'm Santika's like brand manager. I'm reaching out to see if you could like share an email. Um, we definitely see opportunities to collab, right? Because wow. I love I'm it. Like, I'm like faking it till I make it. And yeah. I did that for a while. And that's what I got my first brand deal through. I, I like my brand manager sent that DM to them and I left it there because, you know, you don't do real business in DMs. And then they sent me how to officially pitch and, yeah, okay. and, and it was history from there. And since then I like, you just like, you, you change your strategy and your process of, as you learn more, because now I don't feel, I don't feel the need to do that anymore. So now I just send an email and I'm Santika and I have, you know, my pitch that I use, but all of the rest of the process is still the same. Like the only thing that has changed is now I'm sending it to them via email and the whole email hustle, finding all of that stuff is. Yeah. that's actually interesting. Cause that's actually what I would do too. Like mm -hmm. for a while I was trying to have the content creation side, like really, I don't even know, like influence the potential influencer side. Um, and so I was cold emailing and cold DMing, I guess, mm -hmm. different brands. But the struggle for me, I think, was more not that the like not that I wasn't big enough, I guess, or anything like that. But for me, it was actually more just like I'm a black woman and that brand mm. just doesn't really have the sight of like incorporating me into their structure. So it'd be brands that are like camera company brands and they, like I was trying to get their attention more because it's like yo I'm like a filmmaker that has <laughs> a content creator audience you know what I mean mm -hmm. but like I could incorporate your camera into my stuff mm -hmm. and it was more just I think I think I got a couple of oh, you're not really what we're looking for Ooh. you know so yeah that that's rough I've I partially had that problem, like just like feeling like a small influencer and then hearing like influencers of color don't get paid the mm. same as our counterparts. That part kind of had me shook a little bit. But, you know, going back to Strat, you just have to listen with anything you do in life. Pro tip. Do your best. Like. If you have, if you're trying to pursue something and like, you're not so strong in like this one area, but you know, you know how to do this other stuff, play to that. And what I mean by that is once again, I knew I was still learning about like, you know, taking photos and then reels came out and I was like, I don't even know how to shoot videos, Jesus. So <laughs> I'm like having to learn that, but I know a little something about like, like marketing and communication and business strategy and that kind of stuff. So I played to my strengths. So yeah. when I'm seeing all of our counterparts, you know, asking for these brands to like pull up for us and we're demanding for brands to pull up for us. I started, I started like heavily 
pitching you during that time because a lot of these brands were posting like, you know, Black Lives Matter, this, that, and the third. And it's like, if you're going to post that, you're going to say that, you need to put your money where your mouth is. And mm-hmm. re- I know you read my pitch anyways, because I have a tracker on my, so I know you saw it. <laughs> okay, girl. <laughs> so I know you opened it. And when I see you open my emails, I send another one. Like I follow up because you read it and now you're ignoring me. And you just, you have to hold the brands accountable. Wow. Look, that was just, y'all, she just spit some bars right there. You said tracker on the email. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Only on my business. I don't do it on my personal, but I for sure have it on my business email because you know, when you're pitching to brands or when you're working on sensitive timelines and people are like, I didn't receive this or, you know, brands try to act like they didn't see your emails. Like, I know you saw it. You opened it four times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's always graceful. Like, you know, I send my pitch and then I see they opened it. And that's the other thing is too, like, I'm talking about the bad stuff, but it's also good. Like, if I see that they opened it and they opened it multiple times, like maybe they opened it and then they opened it up for their higher up or they forwarded it on to the higher up. So when it gets a lot of traction, I'm like, maybe. So it's also a positive side to that. So then I send the follow-up email and I'm always like, you know, I know everyone's experiencing influx in emails. I just wanted to circle back around and, you know, and, and just follow up with them to put me right back at the top of their email. Yeah. And that's it. Santika, you're blowing my mind a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's also the other thing about that too is like seeing them open your email multiple times or seeing that they're like at least seeing it. It's also for me, something I learned when I did start working more with like traditional agencies and like marketing teams and stuff who have found me as a content creator and are reaching out for partnerships or vice versa. I started to not take it personally because I remember there was a brand I reached out to forever ago. <laughs> And now I wish I had done something like track the email because it turned out that it wasn't that they didn't want to work with me. It was just, you know, for that business's like overall annual goals of who they're trying to reach, I didn't quite fit in. But I was like a good contender for just like other things potentially. So in that next in the next business year, when they revamped what their vibe was, the like that marketer. I was the first person they reached out to, like one mm-hmm. of the first people, because she was like, hey, we've actually high key. We've been wanting to work with you for a while, but you just didn't quite fit in with our overall metrics. Now you do. So and it wasn't like based on size or anything like that. She was just like, we want to work with more storytellers. You just weren't quite fitting the brand identity, whatever, blah, 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 that the higher ups, this is above me, have decided. And now they finally yeah. decided whatever, and you're good. And so that's the other thing I would say too, is like, just because you don't get an answer right away, doesn't mean they didn't open the email. and doesn't mean they're not mm-hmm. like considering you for campaigns. It just needs to be the right campaign based on who you are and what oh, you do, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you would rather I, get that. Yeah. You know? It, it, it takes time. Like I just finished a campaign, um, which I'm still learning like what I like can and cannot say, but I just mm-hmm. finished working with a brand and y'all didn't start seeing stuff until like December, Jan- like, you know, a little bit in December, January, but like we got on a call, like all of this started, I believe like August, September, like when yeah. the initial communication started and, 
you know, they reached out to me for affiliate. They actually, this, this brand, you know, they reached out to me for affiliate marketing and I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And uh-huh. we were able to like flip that into a, a partnership. But, um, it take my point is like, it takes time. Yeah, it really does. Like so much. In fact, a lot of people don't even realize like some of the stuff, any big campaign that you've seen me do, I'm going to tell you all this right now, any big campaign you've seen me do, by the time y'all see it, probably a good six to eight months might have passed potentially mm, from wow. like the initial reaching out to me mm-hmm. and then me maybe pitching to them what I think would be a good fit yep. to then going into production on said thing, filming it all, editing and revisions, and then it finally goes live on the channel. So I think the fastest turnaround I've ever had for like a true brand integration of something is like four months, maybe. So it takes a while, for sure, for sure. So (laughs) unless it's Black History Month and then all of a sudden all the brands remember to... (laughs) On January 15th, I'm getting... To do. They're like, I want you specifically for this February campaign. I'm booked, blessed, and busy. I'm, and look, I'm not booked, blessed, nor busy, but I'm not, no, we're not yeah. doing that. And that's not to it's, say, I don't want people to feel like you like don't get those coins and like do those deals. Like that's for you to navigate yourself. But I mean, you could just tell, you could tell in some emails, you know? Oh yeah. I remember reading, I read something like, November, like end of November, and they're like, if you're pitching for quarter one, you're already too late. Like an influencer that I follow followed set or follow said that, and I was like, wait, what? What do you yeah. mean? Like we're not even in the. So I remember the beginning of December for like the first week or two, I pitched crazy, and then mm. when I was like, people are getting ready to leave for Christmas break, I stopped. But then I circled back those pitches at the, not the start of the year, I gave it like a week and then I resent those emails. And that's what I wanted to mention too about the, the, the email tracker thing. It's also helpful to know whether or not your email was opened or not, because if it wasn't open, I mean, it could be a person that doesn't work for the company anymore. It could just be like an, uh, an account that's not being checked. So sometimes depending on how bad I want to work with a brand, I go find another email address and um do it that way or i send it right through the form like i got a deal um or a partnership because i couldn't find a working email so i sent it you know how on the websites it says contact us and you like fill out that comment section Mm -hmm. i was like i have feedback boop and i dropped my pitch and like a month later someone came and was like i actually found you because you're your, you know, thing was forwarded on to me. And I was like, oh, so this works. I'm gonna keep doing this. Yeah, no, that's true. A lot of people don't realize that. That contact us page, like if you use some of the right language, I've gotten no's from doing that contact us page. Like again, like I've done that whole pitch to them through the contact like you did. And it Mm -hmm. took a while, but they would be like, hey, we finally forwarded this to the marketing team because their their marketing team email just wasn't available. Or it was a brand that's so big that depending on what part of the world you're in, they work with different marketing agencies. So they've- Or just not running a campaign at that time. That too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I could tell it finally got to whatever agency it was supposed to get to. And then they were like, hey, 
we got just FYI, FYI, we got this. Thanks for pitching us. You're not a good fit right now, but <laughs> I, I wanted to show you that we got it. And like, yeah, thanks, you know, but then that agency reached out to me to do something else and work with a completely different brand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you never works. know, you never know which brands are under the same agency and you just, you don't know that. So, oh yeah, I'm learning about the agencies, like what brands are affiliated with who. And I actually, I mean, even on my spreadsheet, because it's all color coded, like green means still active. You need to follow up with them. And for red, I never put no, like in my, so I know who to like follow up with and what's going on. I put not right now. So like when they tell me no in the email, I put not right now. Cause y'all may not want me at 2000 followers, but y'all going to be all up on me sometime soon <laughs> but I just I don't put no because like I just feel like that's like very negative like self-talk so I do I just put I highlight them red I say not right now and I never delete a brand from my list so Ooh. all the brands that I've ever pitched on my excel sheet they stay there and once I land a deal like I highlight them a certain color and you you just keep pushing because all of those no's like motivate me because at least they cared enough to give me a response like okay, they didn't ignore true. me. And I mm -hmm. love that. Like when they tell me no, like, I'm like, man, like, even though you don't want me, like you saw me and like you acknowledged me and like, I appreciate that. Yeah. I had so, a mentor for a little while say to me, um, a no is just a not yet. Mm -hmm. And that like really stuck with me for like, that got me through some stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Being like, um, being in the content creation, like when I first quit my full-time job and started yeah. doing like my own thing full-time, that the no is just a not yet. I was like, ooh, that's mm -hmm. what I need to make it through the storm. Oh, yeah. For Cause sure. Because you're going to hear a lot of it. Oh, you're yeah. going to hear so much of it, and it's going to make you feel like, you know, is it my content? Like, is it me? Like, am I, am I sharing too much of myself? Am I? You just start overthinking and overanalyzing everything. And I mean, I, I don't know what you would say, but the best advice I could give is just like, stay the course. That's one thing that I'm, because I didn't know, I didn't know anything. And because of like imposter syndrome and you want to feel like you're doing the best. I spent a year of my time trying to figure out other girls' secret sauce. You know, like what were they doing because they're killing it. Yeah, they're killing it because that's their sauce. Yeah, I need to figure out Santika sauce. Yeah, and that that's what the folks want to see. That's what they're going to show up for. And and that's the thing that's scary about Instagram is because you feel like you have to fit in. You feel like there's a certain aesthetic you have to give and you lose yourself in that process. I say I was creating some of my most authentic, pure content when I first started. Because mm. I didn't know how to edit no photos. So y'all was getting 2011 digital camera. <laughs> like, I, like I didn't know any of these things. And I wrote like an academic. So that was one of the things I had to learn. How to write for social media. It's yeah. all been a learning curve. And I'm, I'm like, you can't show up here writing paragraphs for the people. You got to, you know, put some zhuzh on it. <laughs> and I'm... I'm, I'm learning to unlearn mm. a lot of the stuff that was keeping me from showing up like authentically and authentically myself and more transparent on the platform.
And and that's I think awesome. that's what this year is all about for me. I love that. <laughs> do you have any metric goals for yourself? I know some people do that as content creators some, and like influencers, like, oh, I want to grow by X amount of followers by whatever date. Or are you more just like, as long as we're not going negative, I'm good. <laughs> I have like business goals. Oh, okay. I, I try not to, I try not to make a goal out of something that I can't control because I was doing that and I was just disappointed, like on the floor, like, oh my God, honey, budgets I didn't. And it's like, you couldn't control that anyways. Like how, you know, not to say like, you can't get 10,000 followers in a day, but it's, come on, girl, <laughs> give yourself, give yourself a goal that you can control. So like, I've, I've stopped putting like a goal, like, oh, get this many followers a month or, you know, get on the like to know it app this many sales because I can't control how and when people show up. Yeah. Um, and I started putting my focus on where, like, you don't want to do this forever. You're just using it as like a, a to as a catalyst, like to 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 get you to the next step, or or you, you're not going to retire, or maybe you can. I don't know what the girls out here doing, but my point is like. You, there's no retirement plan per se on influencing, and I just need to figure out, or and I'm trying to figure out like ways to, to to flip this into the other avenues of revenue. So, and there's so many things now that I'm like rediscovering myself, and I'm learning that being me is okay, and you can make money off your personality. It's making me tap back into some things that I had abandoned along the way. You know, mm. when I originally went to, when I originally thought about going to school, I was like, I'm be a fashion designer. I'm be a fashion designer. Like you're going to do this. And people were like, oh, well, you know, like the average amount of people or there's only so many people. And yeah. I, I used to sketch, like I designed my prom dress for prom and met with a seamstress and had her sew it in. Girl, when I kept, when I kept hearing all of that, I threw that sketchbook in the trash can. Wow. And it's, it's, I can't, I can't, I can't even, I like wish you could like get in my mind and I wish the people watching this to get in my mind because I don't even think I'm going to explain this right. But when I quit my job last year, it's like clarity washed over me. Oh, been there. Yeah. Like I just started seeing stuff so clearly and while I didn't have like a solid plan, I had already been I had already been making money like resume writing and interview coaching. So I knew I could make money with my skill set. Mm -hmm. I knew that I knew I would I would kill myself working to make money, right? And I and I'm not too good to take some steps back to propel myself forward. So if that meant getting a job at Starbucks or whatever to like keep feeding into what I had discovered was making me happy. Like that's what I would have and will do before I go back to working like a nine to five to turn it into like a life goal, like a career goal. Mm. And I think, I don't know. I think like one of the shit just is very clear to me now. It's, it's so clear to me now this year about like who I am, who I want to be, how I want to show up and reclaiming those things that never left me. Because even though I threw that sketchbook in the trash all those years ago, I often thought about, but what if? Yeah. 
So yeah. those things, those things that like people tell you you can't do or you feel like you can't do, if you were 10 thinking about, you know, being a, a designer or a decorator or whatever, if those things haven't abandoned you, nine times out of 10, you might be sleeping on yourself. Yeah. And I feel like I was sleeping on myself a very long time. And I'm like, I'm waking up. That's so beautiful. Wow. <laughs> I know that feeling of that like release washing over you and but instead of quit like you quit you did it your way I got fired <laughs> hey whatever <laughs> yeah it was so hilarious too I got fired um it was one of it was my first production job out of college and I had interned there and then I worked there full-time and uh, I think I worked there full time for like nine, 10 months. And I, and I got also got fired or let go, whatever people want to say, the politically correct way to say you got kicked out. <laughs> they took our keys, y'all. Dude, she really did. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but I, I know part of it was probably because like just clients weren't coming in to the company any, as much anymore too. Like it was a lull as well. So I'm, I'm sure some of that had to do with it too. But like... I remember the morning because I walk, came in on a Friday and she had, the boss had told me like the night before, like, hey, I want to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? It was a mm -hmm. whole thing. Sweating like a sinner in church all night because I'm just like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make a living? Uh, you know, this is back when I was 22. Very poor. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. Yeah. you know, sweating. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> I finally go to the office that morning and I'll never forget it. Like. She she fired me and was like, you know, don't start, don't work today, and you know, which is a whole thing. And so, like, handed her the keys back to the building, right? Like that moment, grabbed my things. I will never forget the wash of weight that like left mm -hmm. my spirit. Like the moment I crossed the threshold of the door to the building, like, and knew I never had to come back there. Like it was crazy like you never and I feel like especially like black people specifically like I feel like we never realize how much we grit our teeth and bear things to like keep moving forward because it's like yeah. what we fit to do otherwise but it is yeah. I don't know it's like it whenever you whether you want it to happen or not sometimes you do have to yeah take what feels like maybe a step back to get mm -hmm. to that next level what I realized is People can talk to you all day until they're blue in the face about quitting their job or pursuing a new endeavor. But I think until they have that, like that moment of clarity or release, there's no talking a person into quitting something or starting something. Something happens in you. And it's that, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to sound braggadocious, but it's like, I know my shit about to be fire. Like, I'm gonna blow up from here. Like <laughs> I'm gonna blow up from here. And I don't necessarily mean like being a celebrity or whatever. I don't even want that, but just like my success and my business savvy and what I want and see for myself is about to crescendo so hard. It ain't going to be no stopping it. And, and that's what I feel like I can't explain. And you don't want to seem like you're not being humble and have humility, but she hot. She she's hot. Like that's how I feel. Yeah. Well, it's also really hard because humbleness, humility, it is a thing. Yeah. But I also think, I don't know, like if you're not your own hype person, then what you finna do? Like you have to believe in yourself because otherwise, why should I? You know right. what I'm saying? 
listen, you better know me now because I might not know you later. <laughs> oh, good. I mean, I tell people, yes, go ahead, start that YouTube channel. Go ahead and get on Instagram. Like, do it. But as someone who truly has started relatively soon, or like, what, like maybe a year ago, I would say? No, like two. 2020, 2020 is when I officially launched. So yeah. almost two years. Nice. Yeah. Do you think it's worth it to start? Yes. 1,000% absolutely do it. I think whatever fire is a blazing in your heart, whatever thought about something you want to do, like if it's there, it's there for a reason. And I think that even if, you know, you just have your cell phone and you don't have good equipment, deliver you. Like that's what people are going to show up for. Do it authentically, do it transparently, and, and you'll be fine. Um, but I think everyone deserves the opportunity to follow whatever dream they have. The internet has a way of making you feel you're not good enough. You don't have enough, you know, your home jankety. So how dare you want to like film in that, you know, it just has a way of making you feel very inferior. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you, that might be hell. Your jankety house might be what the people want to say. That might get you, you know? So you, whatever you have, whatever dream you have, I, I say, pursue it, do it. The other thing I was going to ask you is like, as since you've been into it, what are some things that even now, you said two years in, that you think, well, if I had known this at six months in, that might have maybe put me a little bit ahead, you know what I'm saying? Or what are things that you wish there was still more like a bit of more transparency about? So one of the things is like a community. I follow all these people and I interact with some of them online, but I don't know any of them personally. So I don't have a core friendship of people that are in this industry that I can call on for, you know, this travel brand reached out or this lifestyle brand reached out. And it's, it's hard navigating this space without, it's hard navigating anything without having yeah. community. And I, I think that had I had the opportunity to attend a lot of these events that hadn't got canceled, I would have been yeah. able to meet a lot of people in person and, yeah. you know, build that community and they'd be able to call on me and vice versa. And I don't have that. So I kind of feel sometimes like a fish in water. I think that would have helped me speed some processes along. And there are some really nice people out here. I want to shout out uh, Jerry Phillips and also Brittany I'm gonna pronounce her last name wrong. I apologize. Fulcier, because mm. I know, I don't know either one of these women, but I've been following their content since I got on Instagram and I was navigating a brand deal and I had saw that they both had worked with this brand and I reached out to them and they helped me in a way in which they didn't, I mean, they owe me nothing and they did yeah. it. Because yeah. that's the other part of being in this space is a lot of people talk about like being open and here to help and black black creators got to pull up for each other. And, and, and I'm here and my DMs are always open. And when you reach out to those people or whatever, you don't hear from them. Yeah. So when those women did that for me, it was everything. Yeah. So I think community... Uh, more transparency, especially, oh, the other thing, Hallease. People love to talk about 
this is how much money I make as a nano influencer once they get to 10,000 followers. Yeah. I wish more people showed up in this space and talked about, because you being at 10,000 and me being at 2,000 doesn't necessarily help me. And while it's not really, you shouldn't be, because it used to be you get paid for your followers. Now it's, it's what you bring to the table and what you think that's worth. But mm-hmm. yet and still, I feel like a lot of um a lot of influencers, they don't really share the journey or start making those e-courses or e-books or whatever until they get to 10,000 plus followers. And if that is what your goal is, you could be doing that at two, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand followers, because there's a lot of women and anybody else who could benefit from you right where you are right now. Yeah. Community is so important. A lot of people don't realize this influencing thing, content creation too, is lonely work. And so to your point, I can definitely understand like wanting, really wanting and seeking out community because a lot of times with like those events, that was like the few times a year, if you are in the content creation space, you could be like, are you going to go to the event in whatever city? And if they're like, yeah, it's like, finally, you know, you get to like just be able to bounce ideas and you'd be surprised how much like questions you didn't even know you had get answered just when you get enough people that are all working on some similar stuff in the same space. So hopefully that stuff starts to come back soon. I feel like this was so good. Thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate you like having me here and like seeing value in my babiness. (laughs) There is value because, again, I think, you know, there's so many people that are experimenting with this and also trying to define, like, what they want to do with it. Like, when I first got on YouTube, for me, it was a creative outlet. And to a certain Mm -hmm. degree, it still is. But as I've grown, it is like it has now become like, well, actually, do I want to start to consider my channel to be more of like a mini network Mm -hmm. of content? So I have Mm -hmm. this show. I have the narrative pilot web series show. I have the, hey guys, it's me, Halise. Here's a tutorial show. Like just thinking of myself in a different way, but like I would never have gotten there if I didn't just start and like experiment. Like I love how you talked about before where you totally went into Instagram with a certain idea path for yourself for the travel. And then you did it and you were like, oh crap, I hate this. <laughs> So what are we finna do? (laughs) But it's like, you should totally try that. Like, I remember I started with YouTube with hair and doing like all these hair tutorials. Mm -hmm. And you ain't finna see a hair tutorial from me anytime soon. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I don't care about hair. (laughs) So, (laughs) or if I do, it's gonna be a short, it's gonna be so quick because I don't care, (laughs) you know? But like, I'm grateful I did that phase because that is how I found community. That is how I found an audience and those people have stuck around or dropped off and like all that kind of stuff. So experimentation is just like, don't be afraid. As my friend Evelyn says, don't be afraid to be seen trying. Like that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to evolve and like your change, like what you want out of something to change and evolve. It's fine. Yeah. Where can we follow you? Oh, you can follow me at Santika Grigley, um, S-A-N-T-E-K-A, 
G-R-I-G-L-E-Y. So at Santika Grigley. So there you have it. I really hope that having Santika on the podcast was just a good vibe for you. So that way, if you are someone who considers himself to be aspiring or up and coming or I'm out here wildin', um, hopefully Santika's thoughts, tangible takeaways could give you some some fodder to keep going, to keep moving forward with it. Of course, please make sure to check out Santika across her social media. Feel free to connect with her. A big thing that I always think is so important is finding your community online and cultivating that community as much as possible. Also in the comments below, if you're watching on YouTube, let me know if this was helpful for you and what other people you would like me to have on the podcast. We're wrapping up um, production on season one. We've got, I think, three more. We have three more slated episodes to wrap up season one. And then I'm going to start thinking about who I want to have on season two. So if you have any thoughts about that, let me know so I can start reaching out to them and doing pre-production on season two. Again, I'm Halise, endeavoring to persevere as always. And this is the Trying to Be Somebody video podcast, where I interview mostly BIPOC artists about their creative careers. And I will see you when I see you. I'm just trying to be somebody. So make a way, make a way, make a way. I'm just trying to be somebody. Trying to be somebody is a Stumblewell production produced and hosted by Halise. Our podcast and thumbnail cover art was designed by Timmy Coker. Our YouTube opening animation was designed by Evan Abrams. Our theme music was written and performed by Belief in Music and produced by Jay Ruckers. This podcast episode was edited by Christopher Narvaez and Halis Narvaez.